Hello everyone. Welcome to Art Town podcast series or ATPS as we like to call it. Every week on Friday we feature art and design professionals who take us through their journey in this fascinating world of art. Make sure you follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Spotify and with that let's continue with the show and dive deep into the ocean of art. Today we have with us a practicing wildlife artist and a conservationist Niharika Rajput. She uses the beautiful art of paper sculpture as a medium to investigate the damage caused by the urban society on the nature and wildlife. She believes that each one of us can contribute to restore the wildlife and their habitat in literally any way possible. She has an intriguing eye for nature's most sophisticated mechanisms, but her love for birds is unmatched. Her ongoing projects are dealing with the subject of bird conservation in India and all over the world. She not only sheds light on wildlife conservation but also brings a very beautiful yet concealed art of paper sculpture in front of the world. So let's dive into our conversation that will enlighten all your senses. Hello Niharika, it's our pleasure to have you today. Before we dive into our actual conversation, I would just like to ask you how are you and how has quarantine uh, treated you till now? Uh, well, hello and namaste to everyone. I'm absolutely fine. And uh, I think the quarantine has been okay for me. I mean, I've kept myself busy with uh, work and also on the home front where everybody has really uh, gotten down to doing a lot of work. Uh, mm-hmm. It's not been bad, uh, except for the fact that yes, travel has been restricted. So a lot of my projects that I used to do in different states have come to a halt. But other than that, it's been perfectly fine. Uh, great to know that. I know uh, that uh, the quarantine has like uh, restricted our traveling uh, and journeys, and I hope that all of it just gets fine very soon, and you are uh, safe and sound wherever you are. So um, I always wondered that this paper sculpture art is so unique and so beautiful. When I went through your website, it was so colorful and so realistic art it is. And it's a very sad fact that most of the people don't know about it. So how did you come across it at the first place? And what gave you the inspiration to take a step ahead and learn about this art at the first place? So uh, to be very honest, uh, it was not paper that uh, you know drew me towards what I'm doing. So it was not the medium that I chose. I chose the subject first. So when I started building art, I was making various different abstract forms, and my sculptures were much larger in size. And I mean, even though they were abstract in form, there were there was some influence, some inspiration that came from wildlife because there were elements of wildlife in them as well. But there came a point where, you know, uh, I I had this mental block and I didn't know what I was building or who I was building for or how I was going to sell my work or what my inspiration was. So I took a little time off and I uh, took a trip to Himachal and um, I spotted a, a bunch of red, blue, blue magpies there. And I think, uh, you know, see what I felt in that moment when I saw those birds is what I felt as a child because growing up, I've always been a very deep admirer of all things wild. I used to spend my time in our kitchen garden and our front lawn and the small patches of forest that we had. 
in front of the house and behind, etc. So I used to love spending time with small insects, butterflies, observing, uh, you know, birds. So the first bird that I actually spotted, which drew my attention, I would, uh, you know, put it that way, was the white-throated kingfisher. So I think uh, what I felt as a child, you know, being surrounded by wildlife is what I felt when I saw those red-billed blue magpies. And in that moment, it became clear to me that I wanted to replicate wildlife to as much detail as possible. Because what is out there in nature, I mean, there is nothing more beautiful than that. I mean, they're the most sophisticated mechanisms, right? So uh, what happens is that that is what I basically chose. And um, so I decided I, I was going to do that. And so basically, I chose the subject. I did not really choose the medium. Now, how I got down to choosing the medium was uh, when, when I decided I wanted to build sculptures of birds, I uh, worked with different materials and I used fiber, fabric, uh, jute, uh, wire mesh, many different materials. But nothing was replicating the feathers and the plumage of the bird as good as paper did, right? So yeah. uh, finally, I decided like when I worked with paper and I saw that you know this was replicating the feathers to the very uh, last detail, I decided to choose my medium, and then I started to work with it. So now I have come to a stage where I can work with paper and I can create uh, different species. I can I've even started like uh, building plants and different flowers, etc. So I'm moving into the world of flora as well. So I think I've become very comfortable with how paper works. So that is how it has been for me. Wow, the journey seems really beautiful. And I, I really like the fact that childhood has so much impact on the kind of choices that we make in our future, right? Right, right. So, right. Yeah, so yeah, that's, that's very interesting to know. And uh, it's seen that you are a very keen supporter of wildlife conservation and you have worked a lot towards the cause. And many of us are like aware about the cause and we are we are aware about the adversity, but we hardly do anything, which is a very unfortunate thing, but we hardly do anything. So how did you get drawn towards this cause and like decided that you want to dedicate your life to it? See, what happened with me was, uh, it's not that I decided one kind of that I want to be, uh, you know, wildlife conservationist. For that matter, I'm not a conservationist, I'm not a scientist, I'm not an ornithologist, I'm none of those things. But what happened is when I started uh, building these birds, and uh, you know, I started reading more about them, I started watching more documentaries, and there were so many things that start surfacing, right? So I read about the beetles, then I read about the wildlife trafficking of so many species, not just birds, then the illegal wildlife trafficking, and then there were so many things that just keep kept coming up. So um, and I did not really take up. Uh, this very seriously as I mean of course when you read about things like that you feel, you feel bad and you want to do something about it but as a wildlife I did not know what uh, what power I had to do something about it on the ground it is only when uh, I traveled to Ladakh in the year 2015 and I was having a conversation with my driver at the time Jingle, and he told me about the black neck plane which is uh, a bird that is found in Ladakh and it's highly revered by the Buddhists. And he was telling me about uh, what's happening to the crane, how the population is, uh, the numbers are going down, and how it's listed as vulnerable by IUCN. And I mean, uh, you know, after seeing, and I did not see the bird at that time. I, I now I've spotted the bird twice, but in that year, on that trip, I did not see the bird. 
and i also happened to visit an art gallery uh, towards the end of my trip in ladakh and i did not expect to see an art gallery there so when i got back to delhi i started doing a little bit of research on the black neck crane and you know about its status and what's happening to the bird and i realized that uh, what can what can i do as a wildlife artist what are my roles and responsibilities because see your subject is wildlife right and if yeah. that subject only like ceases to exist if it's not going to exist like there is no point of like i i will have nothing to do and it will be it will just be wrong on so many levels if i didn't do anything about it so yeah. so i decided that okay uh, since i'm not a conservationist and i don't know much about how things can change on the ground i thought okay i can at least take conduct workshops with children and i can you know educate them teach them about what's happening to the bird and what's happening to the wildlife around them at least that can be some step that can you know be in that direction educating you know somebody about what's happening that should be the first step so um i think it was really my art you know that uh, uh, took me on this path and now of course i have done many many projects i have worked with many organizations i have independently done so many projects so Uh, i wouldn't say that i have done enough i have not even like i have done nothing actually on the ground uh, there is so much more that needs to happen and needs to happen like immediately we, it cannot be delayed um so that is how it's been you know uh it's a very nice thing that whatever you knew you uh, tried to make a change through it and right. i hope everybody uh, try to mm-hmm. tries to do that with their own potential with their own skills but right. uh, i hope this message gets spread to each and every one of us and every one of us takes uh, a step but even small it may be but every one of us should take a step ahead right so how do you exactly aim to spread the message of wildlife conser- uh, conservation through your art and how do you think paper culture can help you make an impact in this field So see what I have been doing is that I started this project like I mentioned about the black neck crane. I started that project in the year 2016, and how it began was I did an exhibition of black neck crane sculptures that I built in that art gallery which I visited, which is Ladakh Art and Media Organization. And uh, so it was not just an exhibition um, for the sake of coming and seeing the birds, but um it, you know it was to basically educate people about what is happening to the birds so we conducted uh, like me and the gallery collaborated and we conducted various workshops for different children different children from different schools um and i was teaching them how to build very simple basic paper models of the black neck crane now it is not just my workshops are not just restricted to building a piece you know it is also Uh, like we we make sure that we conduct some bird bird watching trips we introduce them to bird guides we teach them a little bit about the e-bird app then isn't the idea is to basically somehow get them in, interested in becoming citizen scientists you know that is like something that they can do they can gather data put it on that app and at least it can be used by actual scientists you know who are working in the field then we uh, you know so there are many such like activities that we do so that is how it started off so along with those exhibition uh, the exhibitions that i've done because i've done um, multiple exhibitions in ladakh in the same gallery i have conducted various workshops in different schools in lay town and in the remote villages of ladakh and to my surprise when i started conducting these workshops i realized that 
you know, most of the children uh, know about the black milk cream, but, but what they know is just the name, you know, nothing beyond that. They've probably never even seen it. So they need to know what's happening to the bird and what, how they can, you know, like what, what can they do to help. And for them, like I asked them a very simple question, for example, I asked them to, you know, name a few animals that are found in Ladakh and they ended up saying, oh, there are elephants and tigers and giraffes found in Ladakh. Now, see, that is, you know, that's the problem. If you don't know what's found around you, what the wildlife mm -hmm. that's around you, how will you, uh, you know, try to protect and preserve what's there so you the first step is to educate yourself so yeah. um so from there i have also uh, picked up many artist residencies uh, such as uh, the one that i did in canada i lived there for three uh, months and it was on the hummingbirds found in the region so i tried to collaborate with uh, a nature center there Allen brooks nature center and also some hummingbird banders uh, people who've been banding hummingbirds for many years so we tried to put together an exhibition and a presentation. So, you know, when the when the local community comes to a function like that, where there is an exhibition of artwork and, you know, people get to see how hummingbirds are caught in the trap, how they're banded, uh, what is their migration pattern, how do they migrate, uh, how to make the hummingbird um, uh, uh, nectar and how to feed them, etc. So there are so many things that people pick up on, which if such like uh, if a project like this is not there then you know they might not like especially sit down to read about the bird or what's happening to the bird etc so i have done that and then i've also worked with a lot of wildlife organizations such as wwf wti ncf and many uh, forest departments also i've been invited to bird festivals to conduct workshops i have given talks many times i have spoken about my work i've spoken about the species that i've been uh, working on and also um, uh, what happens is that see when i'm working with these uh, when i'm working with i've also conducted uh, a bird festival in ladakh uh, this was in the year 2018 and uh, this bird festival was the first bird festival of ladakh so many people uh, flew in from all over the country and i had many artists on board so it was a huge exhibition of artwork of birds found in ladakh not just sculptures we had paintings we had animation we had animated movies we had performances we had um, a conference uh, in which we had the uh, people from the forest department and some avid birders who've been working in ladakh who came and spoke a little bit about their research work and what's happening to the birds and uh, you know what are their observations etc so it was a grand event, a seven-day long event, and seven-day long event. And um, so you know, uh, I mean, I myself uh, am learning slowly about things that I can do on the ground. Like I would want to make an interpretation center in the future, and I've been talking about it for a while now. And I would like to, you know, put everything under one roof so that at least the local community knows about what is found out there. And then they can educate themselves about what's happening to the wildlife and how they can take measures to, you know, protect and preserve them. So this is how. And as far as the paper sculptures go on the side, um, see, I feel that you know, bringing a piece of nature into your home will always act as a reminder of what's out there and needs to be protected. So I think that is why I do what I do. Yeah. So that actually gave me a very different perspective of this situation, and it's it's very very nice. So thanks for giving me that. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, considering that uh, the field that you're working in is so unique and not many people must be like 
uh, experts and masters in it, right? So, who guided you in your journey, and how did you reach the perfect uh, perfection in this intricate paper art? So, uh, see, first of all, let me just say I'm completely self-taught. I wow. have not attended any art school. I don't have any degree in fine arts or any such thing. So. How it started off for me, I always had an inclination towards art, and as like growing up, I would love. I loved building 3D models, uh, not specifically of wildlife, but gen, you know, abstract 3D models. I still love building stuff, mm -hmm. and um, so I think when the time came to make the career choice, I knew that I wanted to take up art. But then again, you know, it is such a vast and diverse field that I did not know what. Should be my subject, or how I was going to progress, or how I was going to uh, make money off of it, or what was I going to do with it? I had no idea. So initially, when I was in my college, I uh, started interning with uh, this organization called PPG, and um, while I was working there, I think everybody there—I mean, there are so many people who guided me in so many different ways—and that is actually the first time when I started building birds. Uh, but the kind of birds I learned how to build there were very different from what I do now. Uh, oh. They were very simple, basic uh, models made out of MC. And uh, but I would, you know, I would say yes, definitely that is where it all started. But after that, um, you know, I, when I left PPT and I was building, I started building sculptures all by myself. Uh, like I said, they were very abstract in nature and they were quite ginormous in form and. Had uh, some inspiration of wildlife. Every piece of uh, every piece that I built had some inspiration, uh, you know, from wildlife. Mm -hmm. But when I started building these birds, um, see, the, when I saw those red bill blue magpies, I was clear in my head that if I am going to build something like this, it has to look just like this, you know. So my idea was to realistically replicate that bird because I felt that that was going to be a challenge, you know. Anything in nature is just sheer perfection. So for me mm. to, uh, you know, reach that level of perfection where people can look at my work and think that, okay, you know, maybe this is a real bird or get confused that, you know, this could be a real bird or this could be a real animal. So then that is the time when I would feel that, okay, I have succeeded in building this piece because that is my idea. My idea is to realistically replicate it. So um, I think it really just came with a lot of experimentation. You know, I worked. It, it did not happen overnight. I was working for a for months. I was working, and it took me a lot of time to actually mm -hmm. reach a point where I could build something that I was proud of, and you know, look at it and say, "Okay, fine. I think I've re realistically replicated that bird." Wow. So, um, you know, once I reached that point, after that, of course, I, I mean, and you know, learning is something that, I mean, learning is an ongoing process. So I'm still learning every day. I make mistakes and I learn from it, and. Uh, I think the key is to just see what's out there and you know try to replicate that to the yeah. you know very last detail. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, That's very impressive what you said, and I hope that self-driven people like you make this art, this rare art, popular among people, and your expertise will surely help for future generations. Well. So, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Since many of us are not aware about this beautiful art, can you briefly tell us how it is exactly made and what all process goes into it? So uh, the sculptures that I do, I mean, it's definitely it's a lengthy process and it uh, requires a lot of time. Uh, I usually start by doing a lot of research. So if I've picked a particular species of bird, 
I have to read up about it. I have to try and get a good understanding of the anatomy of the bird. I have to understand the postures that I'm going to work with, the color of the plumage, how the sun reflects uh, on the plumage. So there are many things that have to be taken into consideration. What should be the size? Because sometimes I'm doing a lifestyle model, and sometimes I have to shrink it down for a miniature model. So I have to weigh those things out and decide how I want to build my work. So that is the first step, and then. Um, the second step is basically sketching everything in detail. So I need to sketch the wing feathers, the tail feathers, the body feathers, and also the different body parts in as much detail as possible. Because when you're replicating something, it has to look just like that way. So you have to be very careful of that. So when I'm done sketching everything, the next step is to basically get the stencils ready. That is another, you know, like step which is quite time-consuming. So I can't. Without each felt, I do trace and retrace just to get the final stencils. And once I am ready, then I have to select the paper that I'm going to use, or I have to paint the paper that I want to use. Then I give a base color to the plumage. So I need to do that. And before I start cutting out the feathers, I basically put together the structure of the body. So in a miniature form, if I'm doing say a hummingbird or any bird that is a really small form, say about three to four inches big. I usually prefer using MC for the body, and uh, then I, you know, do the paperwork on that. But if I'm doing a life-size version or anything that is bigger than three to four inches, I prefer using wire and paper to build the structure of the body. And once the structure is ready, then uh, I have to basically start gluing the feathers on the body. Now this is a time-consuming process because each feather is carefully hand-cut to precision and. Uh, to do that, you really have to sit down. It's a repetitive process, and sometimes even I lose my patience. But then, you know, if you want the perfect piece, you have to do that. You have to go through it. And once the feather work is done, uh, like I've glued the wing feathers, the tail feathers, the body feathers, and everything is done, then the last step is to basically paint the bird. And then, you, if I want, if I like try to build a landscape around it, then for example, if a bird is uh, perched on a tree or branch or a flower or something like that. Then that needs to be built as well. And and then in some pieces are some pieces are more complicated than that. Like I've done a kingfisher piece in which a male kingfisher is feeding the female a fish, and then in that the driftwood also had to be built out built out of uh, paper mache clay and wire etc. So uh, I mean pieces like that can take longer than normal. So that that's the process basically. Thanks for giving such a detailed explanation. Well, like you told us that you have uh, discovered this paper art uh, in your journey uh, as a art enthusiast. So while going into the depths of paper sculpture, what change has art made in your life and your personality, and what skills add, has it added you? Uh, see, I personally feel that uh, building these pieces has. Uh, like I said, you know, patience is the first thing that you learn because if you don't have patience, you just can't build these pieces. So I think that is a skill that not only like has to be incorporated while I'm working, but is also something that is a part of my life. Like I have generally yeah. become extremely, I was always very patient in my life. That is why I think I'm being able to do what I do, but I think I've become more patient than I was before. And um, another thing that it has given me that you know, maybe it was again. It was already there, but then I think it has enhanced this. You know, my level of observation. Like I look at things wow. very differently, and 
when i look at something uh, and not just in nature and wildlife of course that is something that i do on a daily basis without that i'll not be able to what i'm thinking but just generally you know looking at different textures looking at just my you know skill of just my i won't say skill but just my observation like power like i look at things very differently now in life and otherwise also so that is something that i feel i have gained from it um yeah i think uh, i think that's that's about it yeah so great to know that and it's uh, wondrous how such kind of things actually make such a huge change in our personality right Right, right. That is yeah. true. That is true. Yeah. So you have been on, uh, been on a lot of national as well as international campaigns, and uh, these were all related to wildlife preservation, I guess. And yeah. so, whenever you were out of India or even in India, even in the northern side of it, so how was your experience while teaching children, and how was your experience in sharing any? sharing your experience to them and teaching them uh, your art would you like to share any interesting incidents with us that happened during the these any of these campaigns so uh, i think working with children and uh, uh, you know i do work with children but i also work with adults uh, mm-hmm. and you know whenever i've conducted these workshops with children and i've worked in different states so for me and i've worked mm-hmm. with different age groups as well so it has really been very exciting for me to be honest and i have myself learned so much from those children and there have been so many funny incidents um but before i tell the incidents you know i feel that you know just being with children uh, one not only they learn from you but you also get to learn a lot from them you know their yeah. experiences because when i worked in ladakh especially in areas where the black neck crane is found the children know so much about the black neck crane you know children who are living closer to like the lake where the black neck crane is found mm-hmm. but then the same batch if i go to the town if i go to lay town and i conduct a workshop they have never seen a black neck crane so of course they're not going to know what those children know who are living close to the lake so the amount they know about the bird bird like at least in that case it was really amazing um incidents if i tell you there have been many but the this one one funny incident that i like to point out i was conducting a workshop in valparai so this is um, in tamil nadu and this is quite recent this is just last year before the lockdown uh, before covid 19 um i was conducting a workshop in a government school and uh, we were building uh, different species of birds and we were using paper and cardboard and uh, different materials and um, this boy young boy i'm forgetting his age but quite a young boy mm-hmm. after the workshop uh, got over he just came to me and he said akka akka and akka means sister i think in the language i just looked at him i said what happened he just you know he offered me a small piece of paper and i asked him i said what is this he said open it and see i said okay then i opened that piece of paper and you know there was a, like he had signed on that piece of paper so i asked him what is this he said this is my autograph so i said <laughs> okay uh, why are you giving me your autograph and i asked him then he said akka one day i'm going to become a very famous wildlife photographer and then you will you can tell people you have my autograph so <laughs> wow so wow. that was something that really you know like touched my touched it touched me in ways that i can't tell you like i remember that boy's face even now and See, when you go to conduct these workshops, you don't realize um, what kind of an impact you will have on children. I have had children 
uh, sending me pictures of their work even now i mean it's been years since i have taught them and they keep asking me how they can make different species of birds and they work, they're at it like endlessly and they want to improve every single day and they and it's, see what happens is when you start building these birds you know it's not sculptures that you are building you go out you step out and you look at the birds around you so you are actually educating yourself and you come back and you want to build it and not just about the birds found around uh, in the vicinity but you also sit down on the on the net and you look at birds found in different areas different parts of the world and you want to build it so you're actually educating yourself so i feel that uh, these when i started out i didn't really know what kind of an impact it will have but you know slowly slowly over the years that i've done these workshops now i know that okay it does really have an impact so um, so yeah, i'm glad that you know it works like that and i hope in the future also i can have some impact on the people that i work with yeah actually when you shared your experience it does seem very exciting this art is very distinctive it's very beautiful mm-hmm. so uh, what like where do you think it can be applied in practical world like you are applying it in wildlife uh, conservation which is very appreciable do you think what anything any different field where it can actually have an impact or something like that. See, it is, uh, it is not about the art, I would say. It is, see, if you want to just look at the material, then there are many, mm-hmm. many paper artists out there who are exploring many different subjects. Uh, and, you know, see, material, I think, I think that is just my personal opinion. Material is secondary. Okay, your subject, you should be clear about what your subject is going to be. Okay, mm-hmm. and how you want to depict that and what is the best uh, material that you can use to depict that. So, you know, addressing various social causes, economic causes, or any kind of cause, you know, I mean, environmental causes, whatever it is that the artist personally feels that they want to choose. I think uh, material is something that can come later. Uh, subject is most important. So mm-hmm. as far as paper goes, uh, yes, I know of many, many paper artists who are addressing many different issues uh, out there in the world. And uh, I think it also depends on how you address your issue, you know, so yeah. uh, and how well the message is getting delivered. So mm-hmm. I think these are the things that are important. But um, as an art form, uh, like art as wildlife art in itself is such a diverse form and there are people who are painters and then there are sculpt people who sculpt and then i mean now you know with the the world being digital there are so many things that have come up and yeah. people are of course using different mediums to convey their message so um so yeah i mean i think it's really a personal choice and how you want to deliver your message that is what is most, most important yeah whatever you said was very true and it actually gave me a different perspective and right. uh, yeah so uh, where do you see this art in coming future like uh, wildlife art uh, wildlife art or paper art any any anything um see wildlife art uh, see, see like you know like i said i mean wildlife or whatever we are surrounded by is here to stay even when we'll be gone it will be here at least that is what i hope because we've really like lost a lot when it comes to our environment and wildlife mm-hmm. and so many species etc so um, as far as the art form goes, I think um, it is only a question of uh, how, and I, like I said, you know, with the world being digital, I have a lot of my friends who are uh, comic artists and who are uh, trying to create comics around what's happening in the world and, you know, what's happening to our environment and trying to raise awareness. 
and i think it's a very good way of educating people and also trying to keep them entertained uh, doing both the things simultaneously so it's very important that they're doing that so i think it is definitely here to stay because this is like a very made, this is like a very big problem these environmental problems are extremely huge and if they are not addressed right now then i i mean you know we are doomed so um, whether you use art as a medium to convey that message or you actually like you know do something on the ground or you know pick up any any medium to convey that message it becomes very important so wildlife art i think is here to stay and will always stay because that is just something that we are made of also you know we come from nature and we we'll go back to nature and as far as paper art goes i wouldn't really i mean paper is really just a medium for me Uh, people can have different opinions and paper is just a medium for me and what people what artists per se want to make out of it is their personal choice and you know medium can change from person a to person b so i don't think i'd like to talk about the medium so to say but yes wildlife art is here to stay and it will always stay i mean that is not something that can go away yeah yeah very very true and i yeah. hope that wildlife only gets more and more rich and we are collectively able to save it as well as prosper it right right yeah so what do you dream uh, to do with your wildlife art and any specific goal that is set in your mind uh so uh, i mean i i want to make as many species of birds as possible and i also know for a fact that this lifetime will not be enough for me to finish like all the species that exist on the planet it's just not going to be possible i know that mm-hmm. uh, and not just birds i mean i already i've already started stepping into like i said the world of flora and i want to look at and I, plants are something that mm-hmm. are extremely intriguing and i want to look at uh, different species of plants i want to look at different species of insects so in terms of building there is n number of things that i want to build and it's just infinite like i don't know if i can ever i mean i know for a fact that it is, this lifetime won't be enough and in terms of trying to raise awareness and in terms of trying to protect you know what's endangered and you know what's uh, i mean anything that that's out there that needs to be protected in terms of all of that um, i would like to do more projects i would like to do more workshops i would like to build like i mentioned the nature interpretation center i mean uh, i hope more such like possibilities come my way and uh, i'm able to do all of these things so yeah that's about it yeah. and i hope that all your dreams come true yeah i hope so to <laughs> that So lastly, I would just like to ask you, what are some suggestions that you would like to give to the audience and the listeners, and how will you motivate them to pursue art and um, like, or also think of wildlife and try to preserve it? Um, uh, see, if somebody is really genuinely interested in becoming a wildlife artist, I think the first thing that they need to do is they need to step out. and they need to be outdoors and they need to be more observant and they need to look at what's around them and um like I, like I've said throughout the conversation i think educating yourself is the most important thing so if you don't know what is around you you will not i mean there's no question of becoming anything in it right? you need to first know it's not just about wildlife art you need to know what is around you what are you made of what is the environment made of and what is the significance of it how does it keep you alive how what can you do to protect them all those things are very important 
so i think the the key is to basically step out and see what's out there learn from it and when you you know you realize that okay if you've decided to be a wildlife artist then you really have to uh, work with the true materials and understand the textures understand how to build the body the structure of the body so all those things the anatomy of the body you need to have a very good understanding of all of that yeah. so i think um, and as far as um, i mean motivation goes i think um you know nature is something that can just motivate you i think just being out in nature you know whether it's the rain whether it's sunny whether it's snowing whether it is whatever kind of weather is out there or whatever is blowing around you whatever insects and animals you have i think nature inspires everybody i don't think anybody will say i hate being outdoors or i hate being in nature or i hate yeah. you know, trees or i don't like animals i'm sure that everybody yes some people can say oh i'm scared of snakes but that is okay i mean you, you can feel like a butterfly or an insect or something like that so uh, i think it's something that you are made of and it is something that you come from so i think that is motivating enough for anybody who wants to be wild like authors yeah yeah it was really really inspiring talking to you mm, thank I you so much thank you hope you like the show You can give your valuable feedback and suggestion of speakers you would like us to host next by writing us on www.arbdown.store. Stay tuned to our channel as we are going to come up with brand new episodes every week on Friday. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Facebook and Spotify. See you soon.